Thank you for listening to the Roundtable Consult, where we discuss political and social issues that matter to you from a spiritual, medical, and legal perspective. Join the conversation with your host, Attorney Sonia Madison and Dr. Mark Williams. Today's topic, a generational faith gap. We're going to be talking about generational faith and how it's different uh, from different generations. And so our guest today are people that are dear to my heart, but are also people that I think really often step out on faith. And we have Danielle Madison and Summer Madison. And as you can probably tell, they're all related to me, but you know, I'm often related to people who are great, so I can't help that. Thank you, Thank you. That was so nice. (laughs) (laughs) At least on my dad's side. Um, and so just a, a brief introduction. So with Summer, she has been on the Lifetime movie, Who is Killing the Cheerleaders, which is, she has a pivotal role. So she's not someone who's just in and out. I, I, she's, of course, really good, but she's, it's a, a very crucial role. And she's also been on Teenage Bounty Hunters. That's just a movie on Netflix. And then we have Danielle Madison, who's been on Die Hard. This is the recent Kevin Hart movie that um, has come out. I know some people might may not be Kevin Hart fans, but you will be a Danielle Madison fan. Um, and, and someone was also on a, An American Soul on BET. And I think um, Kelly uh, Rowland was also on that too. So these are uh, accomplished, if not continuing to be accomplished actresses, as well as just in that generation, I call it Generation Z or Y. It's one of those. Why? Um, and someone's like, yes, yeah, not on Y. And so that's why that was one of the reasons why I wanted to have them on the show because one, I mean, they they both obviously have goals and they're and they're uh, excited or at least passionate about their passion. But I think it's different for me and, and and while me and Mark are not in the same generation, it's still different for both of us because I think we're like yes, we're passionate, but we feel like we still need to have a safety net to some degree. Whereas I feel like the Y generation is like, nah, I'm just gonna be an all in in if I fall, I've got someone there to catch me. So my first question then for you guys, for Summer and Danielle, and, and feel free to, to beat each other who are, wants to respond first. What, when you define faith, is it more so a, a belief in yourself or is it a higher power? I mean, how, how do you look at faith? <laughs> um, I'll go. I just didn't want to cut her off. Um, it's crazy. Um, prior to starting acting, my belief was solely in knowing that there was a higher being who would take care, you know, for me, God, who would take care of, you know, all of my worries if I just believed in him and put all my worries away with him, you know. But as I got into acting, I realized, um, and I was telling Danielle, you know, maybe about a month ago, that my faith now believes that when I move, God moves with me. So every day that I'm willing to take chances, you know, it's not a God will show me the way, God will illuminate a path. It's I'm gonna choose a path and I'm gonna fully believe and commit to that path. And God is going to be right there with me following every footstep that I take, you know, and that's more so where my faith is today. I lead the way and wow. he follows. That's off the right off the rip, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So, grew up in the same household, of course. So, we grew up believing in the same God, going to the same church. Um, 
But I would say within the past few years, my faith has developed even more to the point where I am hearing God um, speak to me through my intuition, guiding my steps. A little bit different from um, what Summer is saying here, but more so my faith is praying about what I want, waiting a little bit, waiting for a response, and then moving in the direction that I am told to go. And Sometimes that direction is very unsure. Like I remember at one point I was told to quit my job and I was like, no, I'm not quitting my job. Right. Because that's uncomfortable, but that opportunity needed to end for me in order for other things to happen. So faith is going through that uncertainty, knowing that God always has me. Well, one, one of the things that I like, Oh, go ahead, Mark. No, I was going to, I'm going to go ahead and, 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 and echo and uh and piggyback on what summer said i i know that was sort of like very profound for a lot of people <laughs> to say that where i go god mm-hmm. follows uh i get that <laughs> i get i get you and here's the reason why i say that because um i was at a, there was a time when i was a funeral director in Balmer and i was praying i said okay god should i go to medical school or should i stay in funeral service and I had both opportunities seem to be great opportunities for them, for me. And I prayed and prayed and God never answered. And eventually when he did answer, he said, if I lead you in green pastures, anywhere you choose to graze is good. And so I do believe that God then uh, affords some of us as we reach a certain level of maturity to say, where are you choosing to graze? And if you choose to graze over there, mm-hmm. I, I, I got you because I understand I know who you are. I know how you uh, how you will respond. I know I've proven that you will serve me regardless of what's placed before you. So I don't necessarily have to tell you, go graze over there, graze over here. And you can choose to graze over there and it still be good for you. And God still blesses that. And so I do, I, I, I get what you're saying. I, I know I responded pretty exuberantly when you, when you said that. <laughs> No, they're fine. I expected that. I expected it, but um, I too was kind of weird about it when I realized that's how I view things and how I walk in my life a lot of the time. Um, and I know a lot of people think I'm crazy when I start talking about numerology. I do think numbers play a great game in like me following the path that I'm supposed to take. I don't hear like Danielle does. I don't. I haven't been blessed to be able to hear God respond to me in an actual like voice or like um even in an intuition but i do follow numbers so my lucky number is 48 and i see it everywhere and i've seen it since i was 12 and my mom was to this day be like you're crazy and i'm like i've not that number is always there when something good is happening 48 is nearby and that to me is like i don't know if the 48 is god i don't know i don't know if that's just him showing me he's there somewhere but um I am between that and me, me leading the way and following and my number. My faith has been stronger than it's ever been, honestly. Well, one of the things that also our viewers could. And look at a little different. His emphasis is a lot about study, meditation and whatnot. And so, you know, when you're saying, hey, you know, I, I'm looking at what it is it that I want to do, and I know that God is going to be supportive. I feel like that is that generation of, even with your parents, like, hey, you just need to respect what it is I'm going to do. Whereas I'm kind of that generation where it's like, no, my parent is saying, hey, listen, 
I have put invested in you and I need you to make sure to do what I want you to do. And then if you succeed at that, you can go off and do whatever you want to do. But there's that foundation that I have required of you before you do that. And so then okay, my next question. So when we're talking about even that faith, because what I'm hearing you saying, Summer, and perhaps Daniel, you're saying it similar, is there's more of a faith in myself that I've made a right decision and that God will either show me that it was wrong or that, you know, I, I will see whatever the sign is that is different. Whereas I think to some degree, a different generation, like my generation is more of when you're talking about hearing a voice, well, I've got to do a lot of study. I've got to figure out what it is that or who this God is for me to then ultimately recognize this voice. And so my question then, are, are you more of a study of self or is it more, is it a study of scripture or is it, you know, tell me like where the foundation of, of why you built your faith accordingly? Hmm. Okay. I guess I'll, I'll go first this time. Um, goodness, I would say it's a mix of the two. Um, but right now I'm diving heavily into the study of scripture part. Um, a few months ago, I read a book that was recommended to me by my friend, Giovanna, called Dis- Discerning the Voice of God by Pris- Priscilla Schreier. And that's kind of where I've been able to strengthen my intuition um, when it comes to communicating with God. And then I also joined a discipleship class where we go through the Bible and just learn how to be better disciples. So I would say that's where I'm at right now. I'm also doing a little bit of self-discovery just because of how this year has been. We have a lot more time to sit at home and get into our heads and think and pray. So I would say right now it's a balance, but more so on the scripture side for me. So let me ask this question on the scripture side, because um, the way that scripture scripture is interpreted differently uh, by different Mm -hmm. faiths, they're interpreted differently by apparently different generations as well. Uh, They're interpreted differently by different political parties. And so uh, my question, I guess, would be, at least what I see with a lot of the younger generation, there are a lot of social issues that are addressed, not just from a political standpoint, but there are also now we find ourselves wrestling with how do you handle these concerns or these issues from a spiritual standpoint, knowing what the Bible says about it. I'm grateful that the younger generation right now is less divided by race as far as what I can tell. Um, most of my, my, my kids grew up in environments with friends who I never had the opportunity to interact with. And so they had certain experiences and exposures that I never did have. And so their perception about race relations is a lot different. Their perceptions about, um, gender orientate gender and sexual orientation is a lot different than mine. So how does, how does one integrate their social uh, perspectives with their biblical perspectives and foundations in this environment. Um, I was going to go back and fin- and answer what Sonia said, and it might lead into exactly what you're talking about. But um, more so, I'm focusing right now on study of self, which is honestly, I feel like the right alley right now. I am 21. I turned 21 this year, and um, I'm in the early adulting phase, so I'm still figuring out. You know, I pay my rent, I pay my utilities, I have a car, so I'm paying for gas and I'm 
continuing to see just how much I can do on my own. So I guess for this year, it's been a lot of study of self. Like Danielle said, we've been inside. But even then, I do pick up my Bible and I do, you know, read scripture. But I find that I find my faith is a lot stronger when I know myself, you know. And I guess that does lead into me you know, feeling like I have to lead the way and that, you know, no matter what I do, God is going to be right there to, you know, support me or, you know, and, you know, light the way. Um, so how I blend, you know, my societal life and my biblical, you know, beliefs, um, truly, I just feel like everybody is their own entity, you know, and a lot of people, you know, nobody, not everybody studies my religion. So I can't say that, you know, this is right, this is wrong. You know, how you live your life is just how you live your life. And we're all here just to do our best, live our lives, live our purpose, and let God in the end be the judge. Because I feel like us trying too early to judge anybody on anything they're doing is ultimately just going to come back and like be really bad for us in the end on judgment day. Um, so I just, study myself and I love those who come near me and want to, you know, get to know me and I want to get to know them and love them fully for who they are because life's hard as it is. And I don't want to make it harder by judging anybody based on what my beliefs are. So, so what about you, Danielle? Because I know oftentimes to Mark's point, church and you guys generation can be at odds because sometimes at least a lot of black churches and I and I only say that to, because that's the church I go to I'm not saying white churches aren't the same way but tradition is tradition and so you know for for the most part some pastors will take the bible as what it says and if it says that you know one man and one woman then that's the way it is or if it it says that hey you know it, it's not about self you know you got to put put aside your pride and what whatnot it's about more so obedience and that's what it is so when it comes to you guys generation again like what are, what are your feelings on church and, and does that conflict with this idea of well what is myself telling me to do if myself is saying i'm naturally inclined or more of an interest in x and if that conflicts with what you're reading in scripture do you take that as well Bible hasn't quite kept up with the times, or do you take that as God is telling me this isn't where I should be? Okay, so I will say that I'm still studying, so there's a lot that I have not covered, because the Bible is a very, very big book, and I'm studying it with a different perspective these days, so I haven't gotten there yet, but that is something that I've actually been thinking about a lot, because I've never really liked the the standpoint of, well, the Bible's old and the rules are old and everything needs to change because now it's 2020. Um, but at the same time, I recognize people's humanity and the fact that people deserve human rights at the end of it all, even if our lifestyles don't align, even if my religion doesn't align with theirs um, or if they don't like my religion. So I will say that there's a lot that I don't know. Um, I do know that as Christians, we aren't called to be like the world, you know, we're called to be different. And these are discussions that I'll usually have with my Christian friends, um, which is why I do keep a circle of them so that we can discuss things like this. Um, now, I do have friends that grew up in the church that are not in the church anymore because of things that they've experienced. 
and, you know, I don't try to push my faith onto those people, but I do invite them to things. I tell them about my discipleship class, like what I'm doing, I'll tell them that I'm praying for them and that's it because I understand why some people have moved away, to be completely honest, with, um, with human nature and how sometimes churches don't handle things the way that they should. You know, humans are flawed. Um, so I just try to be patient with other people. But I will say when it comes to things that religion says not to do, like I'm guessing you're talking about like homosexuality and abortion and all of those things that are coming up so much, I haven't dove into those topics enough to give an opinion on them. And I don't want to um, say something wrong here. But that's kind of where my mind's been lately, yeah. to keep it real. Well, and I guess more so the question is, do you, do you look at the Bible as this literal book that I literally have to take word for word? Or do you look at it as, oh, it's just this guide. And, you know, for the most part, as long as it aligned with what is following my own personal faith or my own personal belief of what I'm supposed to do, I'm good. And if the two ever are distinct or different, where do you then fall? Okay, I see. So more like a guide, I think. Um, and then if I am unsure about anything, then I'll just consult God directly and wait for a response. Typically. And I think that's the best approach when you're unsure. Well, and, and it's good to definitely have people around you also to, to talk through and, and keep you, you know, in a, I guess, a certain path. Because, I mean, like you said, a path that you personally enjoy and it's not necessarily you know I think Summer talked about purpose and I mean I think mm -hmm. for you guys when you're in that transitional phase as adults it's it's definitely different don't let me speak for me but I imagine I've been there so I'm like it it, it could be difficult to figure out purpose especially as you're learning okay I've got to pay bills I've got to do x y and z you know I, and, and you hear in your parents' voice in your head because they've been there and they're trying to tell you to do X and you're wanting to pursue the, the acting and you want to pursue the entertainment and you see the struggle. And so I can imagine just the conflict that that plays. Um, but at the same time, I can also imagine you didn't struggle with purpose because I don't know if you consider purpose to be, okay, it's a feeling that I know I'm right and so I'm just going to stick here. Or do you feel it? feel purpose is aligned to the outcome. And, and so I can imagine a little bit of a struggle there. It's pretty crazy. Um, I know Danielle and I had kind of two different, if you ask us both, we'll have two different answers about um, how our parents felt when we both realized we wanted to act. Danielle was 14. And so that made me what eight when Danielle wanted an agent back in the day. And, and, she can tell you like how my parents responded to it, but you can see their growth to me being 18 and deciding, no, that's what I want to do. You know, it never was a thing of, I remember I told my mom and she was like, okay, well I can see it. Okay. So what are you going to do? You know? And it's kind of like a, by the end, maybe it's, you know, at that age, at that age when you, you're the baby, parents are tired. And so she honestly might've just been like, okay, I'm not going to fight with Summer. And if that's what she want to do, whatever. But um, that freedom that she gave me, I think she, even if you asked my mom, and I don't want to speak for her, but she, I was talking to her the other day, I was on set this past week, and 
you know, I, she slipped in, well, not slipped, but she said, I'm just so proud. She's like, you couldn't have told me two years ago when you started acting that, you know, you really would have done it. So I, I think if anything, parents, um, when, you know, their kids make decisions and it doesn't, it goes against the grain of what they want their kids to do. As long as it's not hurting anybody, the best thing you really can do is support because if that child is passionate and they really do believe that that is their purpose and they have the support system behind them, I, they can accomplish crazy things. Um, so that's where my, my, you know, I know that wasn't a question, but you know, my mom, she, and my dad had more so been very supportive, but I was also the baby. So Danielle can have a totally different experience. And I know she does. Yes, <laughs> as I do with my little sister. So yes, Danielle, you're, oh, yes. you're, you're free to have a different yeah. experience as the older. <laughs> I, I'm about to say, Sonia, you're the oldest too. So, you know, <laughs> held to a completely different standard. Um, not to say anything's wrong with the youngest, but you know, parents are tired. They're tired. They, wanna, they don't want to fight with the youngest. And usually the youngest is like the most headstrong. Pretty much, even with. I can imagine that that was probably your parents' reaction to whatever she wanted to do as well. So, yeah, when it comes to purpose, because um, I believe that's kind of where the question was going a little bit, but I would say I knew that I wanted to act at a very, very young age, like probably around eight or nine when I was watching like Nickelodeon and stuff like that. And um, that's when all the adults are asking, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was like, an actress. <laughs> and my dad. You don't even know what an actress is. And I was like, I'm watching Nickelodeon. They're on the TV. <laughs> you know? Um, and so I knew very young that I liked getting on stage, that I liked performing in front of people, singing songs in front of people, just expressing myself. Um, and so I believe that will lead me to my purpose somewhere. I don't know if my purpose is just acting. And I have a hard time believing that it's just acting. Like, I that acting will give me a platform and then I'll be able to do more with that platform. Um, but to speak a little bit more on what Summer just said, um, going into like my teenage years and then finding my agent, um, which is the agent that I wanted to apply to when I was 14, I am signed to them now. Um, so that was a full circle moment. But uh, yeah, the reaction to that was not, not a good one. Like, oh, why do you want to act? No, you can't make any money acting. And it's a typical reaction for most people whose parents find out that they want to act. Um, I remember even telling my parents I wanted to go to college for theater. I didn't tell them, actually. You know how when you take the PSAT, you, like, put what careers you're into? So I put yeah. her and, like, some other stuff, and they started sending, sending stuff to the house. My mom was like, why are we getting all these um, these uh, brochures for these uh, theater programs? And I was like, I don't know. And then she that one. So um, a, ve a very different reaction, which kind of led to me, honestly, to choosing something else. And I hate to say it that way, but I didn't really have encouragement. And I understand why, because my parents wanted me to, they wanted me to have money, to be honest. They didn't want me to need them or depend on anybody else. So um, I came around, back around to acting, I want to say, like I stopped around 17, 18, and I came back around about. 23 because something was missing like something just didn't feel right like I went to college I graduated I was working but I was like this doesn't 
I don't feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So that's kind of how I came back around. And I will say that Summer re-sparked my interest in it. She did. Because she started talking about it. I was like, hmm, you know what? This might be possible. And then I saw how my mom reacted to her. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I can slip in there, too. And she'll have to me, too. Um, and here we are. We're professional actors, which is like, crazy. we're doing it. Well, I'm going to say on behalf of parents, because I have children your ages. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yes, you are old. Jeez, but... <laughs> embrace, embrace that elder status. <laughs> I'm embracing it. I'm embracing it. I will say, perhaps it's not that the parents get tired. Perhaps it's more so that the parents learn. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bible tells us to train up a child in the way that he should go which meant the way that he's bent or he or she is bent the way, the, the way that the, of their natural inclinations. Um, and that when he's older, he'll, he'll, he or she will not depart from it. Mm. And so it's a challenge for parents sometimes to distinguish what are your inclinations from our inclinations for you. And, um, I do believe that it's uh, my, my oldest son, since he was probably five or six years old, said he wanted to be an ENT doctor as well. He wanted to be just like dad until he mm-hmm. took organic chemistry <laughs> in, in college. And then he realized that maybe this is not the path that I want to go. And I think he thought that I was disappointed that he was choosing a path different than that. The reality for me was that it really wasn't. My, my goal is, as a parent, is what's, what is your inclination? And let me help direct you on that path so that God can find you and keep up with you, Summer. <laughs> so, uh, because he can have a hard time keeping up with you at some point or another if you're on the wrong path. Uh, but if you're on the right path, God will meet you on that path along the way and, and, and help make sure that uh, whatever provision is necessary is available for you. Summer, you said something and I thought, and I want to get back to the, the issue of faith. You said something that I thought that it struck me pretty profoundly. And you said, in a different context, you said, but as long as it's not hurting anyone. Mm-hmm. And that seems to me to be um, a sentiment of your generation right now. As long as it's not hurting someone else. And that could be applied to a variety of different situations. And it seems to be applied to lifestyles. It seems to be applied to religious beliefs and faiths, lacks, lack thereof, you know, Maybe I'll, I'll have you comment on that, but I also want to throw this other question in because Sonya doesn't let me get many questions here too many with you all. I think she really likes having time speaking to you. So I'm going to add a three-part question for you. Okay. Um, so one is, is, is that mentality, as long as it's not bothering anyone, does that guide and direct a lot of, or inspire a lot of your activities? The other question that I want to ask, and maybe Danielle, you can answer this as well, because you may mention that you had certain friends who have left the church. Mm-hmm. I want to know how important is assembly in a religious environment for your generation? And if it is important, what are some of the deterrents for that assembly, the things that cause people in your generation to disconnect and dissociate from that assembly? Gotcha. So Danielle and I will definitely have different answers because we are different generations. So Danielle is a millennial. Mm -hmm. I am Gen Z. So I am Gen Z. Gen Z is from 95 up. 
to, I think it's 2018 is where it stopped or 2020 is where it stops. And then Danielle is a millennial. So her experiences are, um, will differ from mine for sure. Um, but in terms of what you're talking about with me speaking on, as long as it's not hurting anyone, you asked, does that help um, towards my, what I like to do is that, what did you ask? How much does that inspire your behaviors as it relates to faith, as it relates to interactions in society as well? Um, I think I have to put myself in that almost carefree mindset of, you know, because otherwise I've realized, you know, growing up, being in the church, and I'm pretty sure it was never meant for me to feel this way, but all of the rules and all of the the people telling me that I, as a lady, I'm supposed to do this, and I'm supposed to act like this, and as a lady of the church, I do this. It brought me more anxiety than it did comfort, you know, to think that I would never live up to be, you know, what God needed me to be. And, you know, then they'll tell you that, you, uh, you know, nobody's perfect, but it almost seemed like, yeah, I'll never be perfect, but I'm always going to be att- trying to attain this, this idea of perfection based on what the Bible says. So it does help me to remind myself that as long as what I'm doing is not hurting anyone, including myself. So as long as I'm not doing drugs and I'm not doing anything that's hurting me, hurting the people around me and people that I love, and I would never do anything intentionally to hurt them, I have to remind myself, that's how I slip into that mindset that I'm good enough, you know, I'm okay. And, and God doesn't hate me because I'm not perfect. And I shouldn't hate myself because I'm not perfect because I'm not hurting anyone, you know what I mean? And for some reason that does bring it home for me, the comfort that I need to continue on, honestly. And it relieves a lot of the anxiety that growing up in the church did have on me. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that you said that. Um, because that is definitely why a lot of the, the people that I know that left the church, that's why they left the church, you know. There was a lot of pressure on them to be a certain way, especially women, um, to be honest. There's what, a lot what do you of say, Danielle? Our behavior, how we dress, how we speak, even hugs, like simple, seemingly innocent things are turned into like mountains, mountains out of molehills, you know. And so that that's really the issue that they all had and you know they don't like to speak about it to be honest it's a sensitive topic um because i believe in my heart that my friends do love god they believe in god but it's people the church that have made them feel a little funny so it makes them emotional to be honest in a lot of um i will say was there oh the phrase that like it, it not hurting anybody you're gonna do what you can do um and the little mistakes that you make, they're okay in God's eyes, is what Summer said pretty much, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. Um, but it reminded me about a chapter in my book that I was reading for my discipleship class that was eye-opening for me because it talks about righteousness and how we earn righteousness when we confess our sins and we're baptized. And there's nothing that we can do um, in God's eyes, these little mistakes that can take it away from us. He's given it to us. It's a gift for us. Um, and so these little things that people were bothered about over the years in church, they're not going to hurt you in the end. You know, if there are sins, confess them, talk to God, try not to do them again. Um, but don't beat yourself up. Like, don't strive for God's love. And that's something that really stuck with me because I felt like for the past few years, I've been striving 
when I make mistakes, I'd be like, oh, well, I got to start over. Is that not really the message of Christ? Mm-hmm. I mean, is that not the message of Christ? There's therefore now no condemnation mm-hmm. for them that are in Christ Jesus. Um, and where it says, you know, that all of our righteousness is as filthy rags before him. It's impossible that offenses would come, mm-hmm. but woe unto him by whom they come. I mean, the, the goal, the perspective that maybe we should be a little less concerned about uh, some of the very carnal and very mortal things and be looking at the larger picture. And I appreciate this about some of your generations to say, listen, don't sweat the small Mm -hmm. stuff, basically. Those are the things that, you know, those things are covered by the blood of Jesus. What's more important, the weightier matters. I think Jesus told the, uh, told the uh, Pharisees when they were saying, you know, we did a whole lot of other things. We did. We always kept the law and we observed the Sabbath and everything else. And Jesus said to him, you should have done all of those things, but you should not have forsaken the weightier matters, things like justice, faith and mm-hmm. mercy. And I think that's what your generations are starting to bring back that perspective that the weightier matters are things like faith and justice and mercy. And as long as we are perfecting those things, the other more mundane, carnal uh, practices and ritualistic things that we do, those things will fall in line because they really don't have any eternal weight. Yeah. I will say a little bit on our generation, at least my generation. I think, Dan, we're probably, I'm on the cups of being near the next one, whereas it sounds like you're probably well into that that millennial. I, I will say one of the dif- distinguishing, because we're talking about the generational faith app, you guys just seems to be looking more at what makes me happy or, or as long as I'm not hurting one. I think we're like, okay, well, what about this? What am I giving to the rest of the world? Or what am I ensuring the the love or whatever that that gift that God has given me is, is being shared? And so I guess part of my question then is, I mean, if you see there's this, this issue but then some of your friends that are leaving, I think this is an often issue with the church. You guys have a fight to ensure you're being in a certain space that you're passionate about. Why are we not seeing that fight to, I guess, ensure that the church is allowing or embracing this, I guess, new millennials or new generation wise to, to make sure that their voice are inclusive or to make sure they still assembly with each other so that you know, the, people don't look at the church in this building as this means of of self-deprecation and more of, hey, listen, while this building didn't work for you, hey, let's form this building over here. And and I guess so. My question: Why why isn't that you guys more the generation? I guess why that summer's talking about? Why not still form your own church? Why just neglect the church altogether? And I think, I think that that's what you know, a lot of people are doing, but um, nobody really sees it as a church because the Bible isn't included. So a lot of people that I know, especially my generation and those younger than me, like you said, it is a, it is a walk of self, you know, and it's not like, it's not that they don't think somebody's there with them or they don't think God's there with them. They know that someone's there. And you'll hear a lot of my generations say, rather than God, it's the universe. You know, the universe is guiding me. Um, God is guiding me. And in a sense, some people use them interchangeably, you know. Um, 
And I think a lot of people, instead of calling it church, I know a lot of my gener- my generation meditates. I've never seen a, a generation that meditates like my generation, my goodness. Everything is is meditating from TikToks to, to on Twitter to Instagram, like you found a new way to meditate. People love tarot card readings and people love astronomy and numerology. So in a sense, there's no um, biblical elements of like an actual Bible in these kind of ways that they're practicing. It's just, do I feel good or not? And I know a lot of my friends that stems from seeing their parents not happy growing up, you know, and a lot of my friends, unfortunately, didn't grow up in a happy household like I did or balanced at all. I have one friend who grew up in a balanced household and Danielle, that's princess. Other than that, all my friends grew up in really broken households. And so it, it, it has become a battle of self because they know they want to be happy. I don't want to be where my parents were when I was growing up, which means I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that what I'm doing makes me happy. And, and what my parents want me to do with my life isn't their choice because that's what their parents did to them. And I can see that they're unhappy. Um, and of course, within that, you have people who, you know, can take that and twist it and end up going all these crazy ways. And da, da, da. But in the end, it's the hope that people find themselves rather than finding themselves at the self that people want them to be. Find out who you want to be and be that person. Show up as a person every day. Um, as for the church, I have no idea. I think at this point, a lot of my generation does live by the Bible is old. The Bible is old. It's outdated. Or, oh, well, the elders don't want to hear what I have to say. So I'm going to go do something else. But um, there could definitely be more to it. Like we could try harder to, you know, hear each other out. And there's a church around here, Passion City Church, that does a great job at um, hearing out these younger students and kids and how they feel. And, you know, um, that's a beautiful one that a lot of people in college that I go to go to, and they really do love the scripture that comes from that. And it's not so much biblical as much as it is trying to understand what the college students and what the younger generation is going through and meeting them in the middle. So I will say there's churches that have tried and successfully, a lot of my friends go to that church and have tried and successfully, you know, made that for the younger generation. As for the rest, I think they really do think the Bible is old. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, again, I'm encouraging you guys to create your own church, you know, versus you know, yeah. saying, okay, well, they're outdated. I'm not going to do it because, you know, as Danielle kind of pointed out, I mean, everyone is going to have faith in something and you really do still need an assembly of people, unless, you know, you guys are the generation that, no, as long as I feel like I can do it, I'm good. Um, But, you know, you do feel, because I mean, I don't know how you define church, but you do feel like church is just simply a group of people like-minded assembling for the same purpose. You guys don't need a building to do that. Absolutely. Um, I will say, I'm glad that Summer mentioned um, <laughs> the, the generational difference there about how her generation is, they really don't go to church all like that. Um, I was millennials were kind of in the middle. Um, and I'm sorry if you can hear my cat. She can open doors. So she came in and now she's meowing. <laughs> Once you pet her. <laughs> um, she's a very skilled cat. But yeah, that we're kind of in the middle where we go to church, but it doesn't govern as much of our lives as it did for our parents 
Um, and I will say that there are churches out there that are doing that work with the younger generation, but there are just so many churches. And I, I think that's kind of where things get lost. A lot of people grow up in their family church, whatever church their parents went to, their grandparents went to, um, probably an older congregation. Um, you're going to get older ideas. And when they get up and go off to college, they don't really seek out a younger congregation that meets them where they're at. That's an issue that I had coming out of high school. I didn't really connect with my parents' church. I was like, these sermons don't, this is not my stage of life. They don't make sense to me. I don't feel like I can talk to people about how I really feel here because there was a lot of judgment. I love them, um, but there was a lot of judgment and I just couldn't be around it. Um, so I ended up going to Basham City Church. I want to say like my sophomore or junior of college because it was just like a Marta stop away from my dorm, um, and I loved it because it's a congregation that focuses on like 18 to 26, I think that's their, their target group. Of course, there are older people there, um, but it is a very young congregation, and I call it like a gateway church. <laughs> like if you've never experienced God before, if you've never experienced worship, and you are just a young believer in Christ, you don't even have to be young, but if you are like a babe in Christ, is a great place to go to get that foundation, to get that love, to get that scripture and the worship. Um, so I will say that it is there. It is just, there's just so many churches out there. And I think it's up to us, the ones that see it, to spread that news. I certainly do thank you both for, for uh, coming on and sharing your stories. And I wish you both the best in your future endeavors. And whether God is leading you or God is following you, may he always be with you. Um, and to the rest of our viewers, please like, comment, and share. And so until Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, I hope you guys have a rest of your week. And thank you so much for tuning in. This has been another episode of the Roundtable Console. We invite you to join us twice weekly on Facebook Live, Tuesday, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern, and again on Saturday, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, 11 a.m. Eastern. That's facebook.com forward slash Roundtable Console with your hosts, Attorney Sonia Madison and Dr. Mark Williams.